heard that my name is Rowena and I am Jared's wife. So most of the time during the week I'm at home looking after Jared, our three kids, and I work here at church. I'm the accounts manager here and I work for a friend of ours as well. So that's my usual week. So preaching never actually comes into my usual week. This is my second time ever preaching. My first time was so much fun, and I'm really excited to be able to be here tonight and to be able to preach to you about how incredible our God is. So there's a story in the Bible. There are lots of stories, but this part of the Bible I'm going to talk about was several thousand years ago, 2,000 years before Jesus came. At that time, there were two nations that were at war against each other. There was Syria, the enemy nation, boo, and then there was Israel, God's nation. Now, throughout the Bible, Israel was God's chosen people. The Israelites are who the Bible is centered around. And at this time in Israel, there was a prophet called Elisha. Now, what a prophet does in the Bible is they hear from God and they tell God's people what God is saying. They give the people God's laws. They say, God says, do this. Then the people do it. They say, God wants you to do this. So the prophet was very powerful part of the kingdom of heaven. Elisha was also able to work miracles with God. He was an incredible man of faith. He healed people with leprosy. There was an incurable skin disease. He raised a boy from the dead. Now, in the Bible, at that stage, Elisha was the second person to raise someone from the dead. This was groundbreaking stuff, and Elisha was right there at the beginning. Now, the story that I'm going to read about Elisha is in 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 8 to 17. Time after time, when the king of Syria was at war against the Israelites, he met with his officers and announced, I've decided where we will set up camp. Each time, Elisha would send this warning to the king of Israel. Don't go near there. That's where the Syrian troops have set up camp. So the king would warn the Israelite troops in that place to be on guard. The king of Syria was furious when he found out what was happening. He called in his officers and asked, Which one of you has been telling the king of Israel our plans? None of us, your majesty, one of them answered. It is an Israelite named Elisha. He hears from God and tells his king. He's a prophet. He can hear everything, even what you say in your own room. Find out where he is, the king ordered. I'll send soldiers to bring him here. They learned that Elisha was in the town of Dothan and reported it to the king. He ordered his best friends to travel there with horses and chariots. They marched out during the night and surrounded the town. When Elisha's servant got up the next morning, he saw that the Syrian troops had their town surrounded. Sir, what are we going to do, he asked. Don't be afraid, Elisha answered. There are more troops on our side than on theirs. Then he prayed, Lord, please help him to see. And the Lord let the servant see that the hill on which the town was built was covered with fiery horses and flaming chariots all around Elisha. Now this story so strongly illustrates that there is so much more to this world than what we can see or feel. 
At the start of the story, the servant was unable to see that God actually had everything in place to take care of them. God's angel armies were already in place to protect Elisha. This story is about our God. He is the same today for us as he was when these Bible stories took place. He is the same God who created this world. He is the same God who created each animal individually by speaking them into being. He is the God who sent an army of fiery horses and flaming chariots to protect his servant. This is our God and this is my God and my God loves me. My God desires the best for me. My God can meet all of my needs and my God will lead me into what is right. And God is so good. He's been so good all through my life. I've had so many stories that I could tell you. Small moments from when he told me exactly where my lost purse was to bigger stories. Like one that happened when I was 12. This one is a little bit more out there and for me it was life-saving. When I was 12, I went caving with a group from my church in Invercargill. There was about 30 of us. And we went to the limestone caves, which was about two hours from Invercargill. Now this cave, this, this is a network of caves deep underground. It takes about an hour to get from one end to the other. And just, you're crawling through tiny spaces, squeezing through rocks, crawling, climbing over things and having to inch your way around the ledges, holding onto the rock so that you don't fall. It was pretty fun. I loved it. So we got to the end and we all decided that it was so amazing that we would go back in and go to the advanced area. So we do this. To get into the advanced area, we had to individually be lowered even further underground by ropes. And we got to the bottom and apparently we were supposed to stay there. But I was on an adventure, so adventurers go adventuring, so I went adventuring. I found myself in a cavern that was massive. There were two tracks that I could have taken in the cavern. There was one that went flat along the ground, and this had pools of water along it. And there was another one which raised up high. This cavern was about 30 metres high and 100 metres deep. I decided to take the high road, because that's what kind of person I am. I decided to climb up high. So I'm climbing up the rocks, and I get to the top, and the rock that I'm standing on wobbles. That would have been okay except that I was pushed. Now, I had friends with me. They were several metres behind me. No one was at the top with me. What this felt like was a demonic force trying to ruin me, and it nearly did. I fell, and I tumbled down those rocks. My body was crashing and smashing against those rocks. I rolled down the rocks for 20 metres, and then I fell 10 metres. I landed face down in a waist-deep pool of water. I was unconscious. I wasn't breathing. My lungs were beginning to fill with water as I started to drown. There was a gash in the back of my head that was bleeding. I'd broken my cheekbone and I had a hemorrhage in my right eye. I wasn't getting out of there by myself. But just like in the story of Elisha, there was a force at work in my life that was stronger and bigger than what was around me. God was with me and he was keeping me safe because God is so powerful and he has a plan for me. 
God was with me all along. And in that cave, I was never alone. On that caving trip, we had three nurses with us. And we had a man with us who the week before in those fairy caves had completed his training in cave rescue. So he was now qualified for emergency situations such as I now found myself in. In this cavern, the opening is over here. There's a first pool, that's angle deep. There's the second pool, that's neck deep. And then there's the third pool, which is waist deep. I was in the third pool. The first person to get to me was one of the nurses. But she couldn't get me out of the water by herself to give me CPR, so she needed help. The second person who was coming was also a nurse. She ran through the first pool and she jumped into the second pool, but there she got stuck. It was neck deep and she had no way that she could climb out. Meanwhile, the first nurse is still with me. She still cannot get me out of that pool of water. So she screams for the second nurse, Dale! The next thing Dale knows, she's no longer in the second pool. She is in the third pool with me and the first nurse. God transported Dale from where she was stuck to where God needed her to be. And at that time, God needed her to be with me. The story goes on. I was ambulanced to Invercargill Hospital. I stayed unconscious for several hours. I had amnesia for a day and a half. I never got those memories back. It's a strange feeling. I started breathing by myself when they got me out of the pool. I was coughing up water and vomiting blood. At the hospital, the doctors were astounded that I hadn't damaged my neck, spine, or received brain injuries from the thrashing that my head took. I was only in hospital for five days. And considering what happened, how badly I fell, and where I fell, deep underground, two hours from the nearest hospital, I was amazingly looked after by God. And our God looks after us. Our God heals the weak. Our God cares for every one of us. Our God is the God who transported the nurse Dale from where she was stuck to where she could rescue me. Our God planned for the trained emergency worker to be in the caves with us that day. Our God has a plan for my life and that does not involve dying in a cave. Jeremiah 29 verse 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. My future was dependent on not dying in that cave. Amy's future was dependent on not dying on that operating table. My future was not dependent on having brain damage. My future was planned by God before the beginning of time. My future was planned by God, the all-knowing. My future was planned by the same God that put every star in the sky. Our God is great. Our God is mighty. Our God has given me a destiny, and our God has given you a destiny. I've been talking here about how God has a plan for me and a destiny. I know this is an absolute truth, but I don't know every step of his plan for me. I have dreams in my heart that God has given me. Eight years ago, God told me that he wanted me to run hospitals in Africa. 
Is, now, this is a ridiculous idea. I know my talents, capabilities, experience, everything like that. I do not see any possible way in which this could work. But this is God's plan for me. So when he told me that, I decided to formulate a plan. That was what God wanted me to do. I was going to make it happen. I started studying. I wanted to be an accountant, work myself and work my way into management within a company through the field of accounting. I would then, if I wasn't already, move into the field of medicine, move to Africa and run hospitals. And that is the nice way that it would work. Pretty pretty easy. But there were several things that happened that meant that that wouldn't work out. For my degree, I had to move to Dunedin to finish it. At that time, I was married to Jared, and I still, still am married to him. And we had agreed that in our second year of marriage, we would move to Dunedin, I'd finish my degree at Otago University. But then God told us not to move to Dunedin. He told us to stay in Invercargill for a while longer. It looked as though my dreams were, putting, were getting set aside so that Jared could pursue his ministry dreams. It was so painful for me, knowing that I wasn't able to keep working on my plan that I had made. A year later, we ended up moving here to Rangiura to this church, and Jared became the children's pastor here. We had kids, and so that continued my study plans being on hold. Two years ago, I started studying again. I had decided that I had waited long enough. God had given me a dream. He'd given me a purpose. And by Jove, I was going to do that. I decided one paper a semester for the next seven years. And I was going to do that degree. I was going to do it because that is what God had called me to do. I did my first semester and I nailed it. I did so well. One week into the second semester... And God told me to quit my degree. I had to accept that I was never going to be an accountant. It hurt so much. Every year this church has a women's retreat. And I got up at the women's retreat and I was going to talk about how God had given me this dream and then he'd said, actually, don't do it that way. That's not the way I have for you. And I'd been hard, but I'd made the decision and it was, you know, I was doing so well. But what actually happened is I got up and I cried. I cried and I cried in front of all those women just because it was still so painful to me. It was such a hard decision for me to make. I really wanted to work in the calling that God had given me. And I know that I made the right decision by listening to God and quitting my degree. With my eyes, I could not see how I could possibly be placed in such a high position of responsibility managing a hospital if I didn't have the required training. I couldn't see how it could work any other way than the way that I had figured out. But my God has it all planned. He sees things that we cannot see. He places his angels around us, and so often we don't even know that they are there. God sees into our future and clearly sees all of the details. Now, I'm going to go back to the Bible story. If you remember, Syria was at war against God's nation of Israel, and Elisha the prophet was targeted by the Syrian king. 
The Syrian king sent his troops to the town that Elisha was in. During the night, the Syrian horses and chariots surrounded the town. When Elisha's servant got up the next morning, he saw that they were surrounded and he said, Sir, what are we going to do? Now this servant could see the enemy armies surrounding them, but he could not see that God's angel armies were already there protecting them until Elisha prayed, Lord, open his eyes. And the Lord let the servant see that the hill on which the town was built was surrounded and covered with fiery horses and flaming chariots all around Elisha, sent by God to fight battles for them. This is our God. Our God sends troops into battle for us. Our God sends angels to surround us and protect us from evil. Our God's power has no limits. Our God does not grow tired or weary. Our God's power is incredible. Our God is always on our side. Our God is for us and not against us. Greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. Our God desires what is best for us. God's spirit does not make cowards out of us. His spirit makes us powerful. Just like in the story of Elisha, our God sees the animal that the enemy sends and then he trumps it with glory and fire. Nothing can stand up to our God. Our God is strong. Our God is powerful. There is nothing that you will face that cannot be overcome by you and God. Tonight you may be feeling as though there are parts of your life that you're not seeing the power of God in. Your dreams may feel like they're dying. It could feel as though other parts of your life are suffering. You may feel under attack. Pain, death and destruction are not a part of God's plan for you. We may experience these things, but God has a different plan that he wants us to walk in. Plans to prosper us and not to harm us. Plans to give us a hope and a future. All of you are called by God. All of you are special to God. All of you have a God-given destiny on your life. You are the perfect person to do the job that God needs you to do. You are princes and princesses of the Most High King. You have been given the greatest inheritance on earth. You have inherited the power and the glory of the kingdom of heaven. You are not small. Instead, you are important. You are so big in God's eyes. Your life has meaning and you are loved. You are wanted. You have been perfectly and wonderfully made. God has given you everything you need to to fulfill your destiny. You have the ability to impact people's lives. You can be a world changer. And that's my message for tonight. Thank you for listening.